Continuing our retreat outline, we meditate now on the second joyful mystery, the visitation of Mary and Elizabeth, a mystery that invites us into a deeply personal moment. The precursor and the Lord are both hidden from each other and from the world, yet even before the two women embrace, John leaped for joy in his mother's womb, having recognized the presence of the Lord and Messiah in the womb of Mary. All four Gospels place the figure of John the Baptist at the beginning of Jesus' ministry as the one who prepares the way for his coming. Yet even in their conception and birth, John and Jesus are linked. Both are announced by an angel sent from the Lord. Both of them, after their births, are hailed by two beautiful canticles, the Benedictus sung by Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and the Nuctimitis, prayed by Simeon, the righteous and devout man in the temple, as he takes the infant Jesus in his arms. There are several aspects of the visitation scene we can meditate on. The first is how any element of personal agenda of Mary and Elizabeth is put aside. Both would have had good reasons to be preoccupied with their own pregnancies and all that new life brings. Both women could have claimed a right to focus on themselves for a while as they make a new and radical adjustment to their lives. Yet Mary reaches out to her kinswoman to help her and to be helped by her. These two great biblical women consoled each other, shared their stories. They each gave a gift of themselves in the midst of the new life they had experienced. Elizabeth, after long years of barrenness, and now suddenly pregnant in her elderly years. And Mary, quite young, pregnant now after meeting a heavenly messenger in her irregular marriage situation and pregnancy. A main point of this story we can meditate on is Mary's immediate response. Luke tells us how she undertook in haste the long and perilous trek from Nazareth to a village in the hill country of Judea, almost 90 miles away. She knew clearly what she wanted and did not allow anyone or anything to stop her. In his commentary on Luke's gospel, St. Ambrose of Milan describes this haste, saying, The grace of the Holy Spirit does not know delay. Man, Mary's free choice to move forward and outward is reflective of a decision taken deep within her heart that's immediately followed by action. How many things in our lives do we dream of doing, should have done, and never did? Letters that should have been written, gratitude that wasn't expressed, affection never shown, words that should have been said. Postponements and delay weigh heavy upon us, weigh us down and discourage us. How true is St. Ambrose's description of Mary's haste 
The Spirit completely possesses the virgin daughter of Nazareth, compels her to act. The Holy Spirit knows no delay. Such possession by God's Spirit is the only possession worthwhile, life-giving, hopeful, and joyful. Thus, the story of the visitation teaches us an important lesson. When Christ is growing inside of us, we will be led to people, places, and situations we didn't expect, perhaps never dreamed of. We will bear words of consolation and hope that are not our own. And in doing so, we will be at peace, recollected, knowing that Christ is forming himself in us and using our actions, however insignificant our life might seem to be. The women of the visitation show us that it's possible to move beyond our little personal agendas and engage in an authentic outreach, ministry, Yes, this may involve moving out of our comfort zones and taking a few risks. It may require being vulnerable as you invite someone to go deeper with you and Jesus. It always runs the risk that someone might not respond or even reject your invitation. Mary, filled with charity and the fire of the Holy Spirit, hurried to the hill country where Elizabeth lived, in order to convey the Holy Spirit to her cousin and, her, and child. Mary is prompted everything she did by her commitment to God's word in her life. Consider the words of St. Teresa of Calcutta. In the mystery of the Annunciation and the Visitation, Mary is the very model of the life we should lead. First of all, she welcomed Jesus in her existence. Then she shared what she had received. Every time we receive Holy Communion, Jesus the Word becomes flesh in our life. Gift of God who is at one and the same time beautiful, kind, unique. Thus the first Eucharist was such. Mary's offering of her son in her, in whom he had set up the first altar, Mary, the only one who could affirm with absolute confidence, this is my body. That from the first moment, offered her own body, her strength, all her being, to form the body of Christ. Just thought that was a beautiful image I'd never heard before, St. Teresa of Calcutta, that the visitation is actually the first Eucharist because of how Mary brings Jesus to Elizabeth. Looking at today's gospel, what does it mean that John will come in the spirit and power of Elijah? Several prophetic texts speak of Elijah's return to prepare the way for the coming of God himself. For example, Malachi chapter 3. Now I'm sending my messenger, he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will come suddenly. Now I am sending you Elijah the prophet. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and terrible day, 
He will turn the hearts of fathers to their sons and the hearts of sons to their fathers. John is not Elijah reincarnated, but his mission is interpreted in the figure of Elijah in terms of his ministry. Because John fulfills the prophecy of Elijah's coming in his mission to purify the people and thus prepare them for the arrival of the Lord himself. Thus, John is rightly considered a prophet, indeed the last and greatest of the prophets. And the coming of Jesus the Lord fulfills the prophecies of old, his promise of everlasting righteousness as the time of salvation arrives in the person of Jesus Christ. And how did John go about preparing the way of the Lord, purifying hearts so they would be open to welcome the Lord when he comes? Matthew 3 tells us, in those days John the Baptist appeared preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the, wizard, wilderness, in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. This is the message of John the Baptist, which is really the message of Christmas and of the entire gospel. With Christ, the kingdom is here. And therefore, a new and radical change in men's behavior is needed towards God. Man's rebellion and sin broke the order originally established in creation. To reestablish it, God's intervention was needed again. And now God has definitively intervened in history. Christ comes to open up the way to salvation. The coming of the kingdom means God has entered our world in a special way to save mankind. But it also implies we must be open to this grace and now reform our ways. Given our own sinful state due to original sin, we always have the requirement of repenting. To put it another way, we have to stop going away from God if we're going to try to grow closer to him. Notice then the words of Elizabeth, now filled with the Holy Spirit, which provide a further meditation on the second joyful mystery. Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud, exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the word, sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth's exclamation, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, subsequently became part of the Hail Mary, a continuation of the angel's greeting, thus becoming one of the church's most frequently used prayers. But still more significant are the words of Elizabeth than the question which follows. And why is this granted me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth bears witness. 
she recognizes and proclaims that before her stands the mother of God, the mother of the Lord, the mother of the Messiah. The future John the Baptist whom Elizabeth is carrying in her womb also shares in this witness. The babe in my womb leap for joy. Just as later on at the Jordan River, John would point out Jesus as the Messiah. In the late Pope's encyclical on the Virgin Mary, entitled The Mother of the Redeemer, St. John Paul II provided an extended reflection on the belief and faith of Mary. In the expression, blessed are you who believed, he wrote, we can therefore rightfully find a key which unlocks for us the innermost reality of Mary, whom the angel hailed as full of grace. This reveals to us an essential truth about Mary, who has become really present in the mystery of Christ precisely because she has believed. The fullness of grace announced by the angel means the gift of God himself. Mary's faith proclaimed by Elizabeth at the visitation indicates how the Virgin of Nazareth responded to this gift. In other words, as I mentioned in the last talk, how many of the Father's Church have taught it was through the obedience of faith that that moment when Mary gave her yes, her fiat, let it be done, that Mary conceived her son Jesus first in her mind before she conceived him in her womb because she believed. But we also know how Elizabeth's words and blessed is she who believed do not apply only to the particular moment of the Annunciation. Rather, it became the point of departure from which her whole journey towards God begins, her whole pilgrimage of faith. I'll speak more about pilgrimages in the next talk. On this road, in an eminent and truly heroic manner, Mary's obedience to faith will be tested many times, but especially at the foot of the cross. Mary shows us that to believe means to abandon oneself to the truth of the word of the living God, accepting fully and with a ready heart everything that is decreed in the divine plan. Even when that plan means saying yes and accepting the death of her own son. Vatican II put it this way. Suffering deeply with her only begotten son and joining herself with her maternal spirit to his sacrifice, Mary lovingly consenting to the immolation of the victim to whom she had given birth, in this way faithfully preserved her union with her son, even to the cross. And ever since that moment of the cross, being made the mother of us all, when Jesus gave her to John, saying, Behold your mother, behold your son, Mary is cooperated by her obedience, faith, hope, and burning charity in the Savior's work of restoring supernatural life to souls. She is that mediator and distributor of grace to us. I also wanted to mention something I learned on pilgrimage to the Holy Land in visiting the town of Elizabeth and Zachariah called Ein Karim, the place of the visitation. There's a church there dedicated to Mary under one of her titles in the Litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary, 
Ark of the Covenant. You may remember the story in 2 Samuel 6, that when David was bringing the Ark to Jerusalem, it got diverted along the way and ended up staying in the house of Obed, the Jittite, for three months. Now, we don't actually know where this place was on the way to Jerusalem, where the Old Testament Ark stayed. But it would have been very near, if not the same place, where Mary, the Ark of the New Covenant, comes to stay with Zachariah and Elizabeth for three months. Like the Ark of the Covenant of old, Mary brings God's presence into the lives of others. As David danced before the Ark, John the Baptist leaps for joy. And as the Ark helped to unite the 12 tribes of Israel, being placed in David's capital, so Mary has the power to unite all Christians in her son as she has entered the new Jerusalem. And all authentic devotion to Mary leads us to know her son, Jesus. A final great source of meditation in the mystery of the visitation can be found in the canticle of the Blessed Virgin Mary, also called sometimes the Magnificat, because of its first words, magnificat anima in mea dominum. My soul magnifies or proclaims the Lord. As one of the three gospel canticles, it's included in evening prayer every day throughout the year. The words sung by Mary on the threshold of Elizabeth's house are an inspired profession of faith. In style, it resembles the canticle of Anna in 1 Kings chapter 2. In a way, it's the last canticle of the Old Testament and the first of the new. This prayer of the Blessed Virgin when she visited her cousin Elizabeth reveals an ecstasy of praise for the inestimable favor God has bestowed, for the mercies he's shown to Israel, for the fulfillment of the promises made of old. What shines forth in the Magnificat is how Mary has personally experienced in her heart the glory of God, the irrevocable gift of his eternal love, and how God's holiness has now entered into human history. Therefore she proclaims, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary is conscious that the promise made to the fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever, is being fulfilled in herself. But in her humility, she's also quick to proclaim that it's not because of her, nothing that she has done or deserved. This is entirely the work of God and a gift from him who has looked with favor on his servant and has lifted up the lowly. And so the church continues to repeat the words of Mary's Magnificat every day, thus fulfilling Mary's prophecy that all generations will call me blessed. Mary is first called blessed because of the fruit of her womb, and then Elizabeth calls her blessed because of her faith. So in the joyful mystery of the visitation, 
We can meditate on this encounter between Mary and Elizabeth. Recall another encounter taking place in the Holy Spirit among their unborn sons, where Jesus' proximity causes John to leap in his mother's womb. May we be just as open in welcoming Jesus as Elizabeth was. May we have the faith and trust like Mary to believe in the marvels God can and does work in our lives. And may we heed the words of John the Baptist to repent of our sins and be prepared to receive our Lord who comes. To Jesus Christ be all praise, glory, and honor forever. Amen.